Are you ready to talk about the motion picture shows? I don't know. I'd probably have to say yeah on that one, question mark. Three hours for a movie? Welcome to Football's Day. I needed this thing to end quick, fast, and in a hurry. Is it though? Is it a good movie? Yes. I think so. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender. With me as always is Mr. Zucky Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other on this Rex Manning day is don't <laughs> be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Oh, Rexy, you're so sexy. That's what they tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool that it is Rex Manning day. I, I love it. You can't be upset. Not on Rex Manning day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I think everyone cries in that movie at some point. They you think so? Up, they all get upset. Yeah. Mark doesn't cry. Well, he's like high the entire film. That's true. (laughs) So that's probably why. A lot of angst. I know. But how are you, Justin? I am fabulous, Zach. How are you? I'm doing great. It's the the freaking weekend, baby. So I'm excited. Excited to watch some F1 tomorrow. Ooh. (laughs) I know, right? You got the racing bug. (laughs) No, I feel fine. My temperature is good. I don't got the bug. (laughs) That's a thing. I know. I'm excited. It is a thing. Well, enough about all that. We got feedback that we talk too goddamn much, so we're not gonna, we're not gonna get into the what you watching and who you doing and what are you talking to and blah blah blah. And these, and get... these guys mean businesses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yo, man, I even did a poll. Can I? I, I gotta track it down. I gotta yeah, find it before totally. the show's over. I've done a couple of polls and I got really excited about some of them. <clears throat> the the question was. Uh, how do you purchase movies these days? Physical media, which could include a bonus digital copy, or only digital? And the responses could be disc, please, digital baby, or who buys movies anymore? And 55% said disc, please. They want their physical media. Wow. 15% said digital baby. And a whopping 30% says, who buys movies anymore? <laughs> kind that of, kind of makes away. sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, it's a it's a lot to if you ever move and you got you got a couple of bookcases well, movie cases, rather, uh, it's it's a problem. Mm-hmm. And even if you fit 10,000 in a box, you know, that's great. But you also got to move the box <laughs> and, it <was laughs> on, and that is hard to do. So anyway, I just wanted to share that. I thought that was exciting. That's great. Yeah, I did so. digital. I'm digital. So I was, I was one of the 15 percenters. All right, me too. Digital baby. I mean, we have all these streaming services. You might as well use them. And then if I do buy a movie, then it is, in fact, digital. Yeah, but I mean, I like owning it and downloading it. Like for my uh, trip to Europe, right? It was nice to download stuff onto my phone. And, and a lot of streaming services you can't download. There are some that you can, but, you know, I want it. It's, it's mine and I wanted to keep it forever. Yeah, but they say that you don't technically own the movie. You own the right to stream it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, well, whatever. I know. I'm like, eh, whatever. If I got Toma- to watch it at least once, then who cares? Tomato, tomato. Exactly. So this week, skipping, 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 <laughs> we are doing Gone in 60 Seconds the from the year 2000 with the with the Nicolas Cage, you know, that movie. It was a remake. I don't know if you knew that, but I did not actually. When I was reading yeah. the questions, I was like, "What?" <laughs> who knew, right? Yeah. So, it was directed by Dominic Cena, who did California with a K, uh, which has the lovely Juliette Lewis if you've ever seen it. It's pretty interesting. Uh, he also did Swordfish, Whiteout, and Season of the Witch. So, there you have that. Uh, it was written by Scott Rosenberg, Based off the 1974 film, written, directed, and starring H.B. Halicki. So, there's that. The cast includes one Nicolas Cage, Angelina Jolie, Giovanni Ribisi, Scott Kahn, Will Patton, Delroy Lindo, Timothy Oliphant, uh, Shia McBride, Robert Duvall, a young Robert Duvall, <laughs> Christopher yeah. Eccleston, and one Vinnie Jones. I don't think those words go together, young Robert Duvall. <laughs> yeah, I think he's got the Benjamin Button disease. <laughs> exactly. This guy's been old my entire life. <laughs> I know, right? Critical reception wasn't terribly kind to Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, we're looking at a tomato meter score of a whopping 25%. 
That is uh, that is how you say rotten. But <laughs> the audience, however, is a whopping 77%. So that's, uh, that's quite the difference. And the sample size is pretty tremendous. It's 250,000 ratings. Wow. So uh, the audience knows what they like, and that's all there is to it. But the critics, you know, the professionals, the ones that, uh, you know, we take as gospel that know everything. They say, Richard Corliss from Time Magazine, he says, in this film, we learn that it, <laughs> sorry, it takes 8,000 pounds of pressure to crush a car, but only one credited screenwriter, Scott Rosenberg, to pound out such a lame script. <laughs> wow. Yikes. Richard, uh, my man. Nice. <laughs> what a dick. That's a, that's a dick move, man. Let's see here. Nell Minow from Common Sense Media. She says, check your brain at the door. Enjoy with popcorn. Ooh. Yikes. Yeah. So I think we'll go ahead and leave it at that. Because uh, the rest are just not nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Man, one person even says for car lovers and lovers of truly bad films only. Oh man, one out of five. <laughs> Jesus, it's loud, pointless, and tedious, and almost ruins a classic crime flick. Calm down, guy. I didn't realize people didn't like it that much. Maybe I was <clears throat> sheltered as a kid, but I thought people really loved this movie. So it's fun, yeah. All right, what can you do? The budget was $90 million. It grossed $101 million in the United States and Canada. Opening weekend was June 9th of the year 2000, and it pulled in $25 million. Worldwide, you're looking at $237 million. So wow. We did not get a sequel, but um, it was it's pretty successful, yeah, I'd say. Not too bad. Gone in 59 seconds. Yes, they got the NOS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you figure Fast and Furious kind of paved the way for car movies. Like, you're kind of an asshole if you make a car movie that's not a Fast and Furious movie at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, uh, seven Eleanor replicas were made for uh, use in this movie. Five of them were total during stunt sequences. Nicolas Cage and Jerry Bruckheimer kept the remaining two. Cage regularly takes his out for joy rides, while Bruckheimer is afraid of driving his. I want to know where they're learning about this, where Cage is actually driving his. I don't know if he is. He was spotted. Yeah, maybe once. He was in that movie Eagle Eye. The cameras caught him. There you go. Or Enemy, or like in enemy Fast of the and State. Furious. What's that? What's it called? Uh, is it God's Eye? Is that yeah, called? God's Eye. Yeah. yeah see? Spot it's you. like the MacGuffin for a few of them. Nicholas Cage did most of his own stunt driving for the film. He attended the Bondurant Driving School in Phoenix, Arizona. Willow Springs another car driving school and the Bobby Orr stunt driving school in preparation for the film. He liked the race car driving school so much that he continued to pursue it as a hobby after shooting was completed. That would be really fun. That's mm -hmm. something that I would do. Christopher Eccleston uh, spoke with his natural Lancashire, Lancashire, Lancashire accent in the film because he noted that in American films, the English accents are always either posh or cockney. After some disagreements with director Dominic Senna about the rewriting, Scott Rosenberg left the project. Writers Jonathan Hensley and J.J. Abrams came in and did an uncredited rewrite of the script. And that is pretty cool. When Mirror Man is talking to the clerk at the Merman. <laughs> the essence of moisture. <laughs> Uh, is talking to the clerk at the police impound yard. A sign can be seen in the background that reads, if you leave your car unlocked, it will be gone in 60 seconds. Ooh. The same sign was used in Gone in 60 Seconds in 1974. Robert Duvall appeared in The Godfather featuring Scott Kahn's father, James Kahn, and directed by Nicolas Cage's uncle, Francis Ford Coppola. Whoa. Yeah. Damn. That's uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon <laughs> without go. the bacon. He's not a wartime consigliere, though. Yeah. So Got here's a George Hamilton to help him out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm, that's quite a bit there. <laughs> oh, that's no good. No. Uh, <laughs> so if you if you don't want to hear the synopsis, go ahead and skip uh, maybe about two and a half minutes ahead. And here we go. 
Car thief Kip Rains works with his gang to steal 50 high-end cars for Raymond Kalitri, a British gangster in Long Beach, California. After stealing a Porsche 996 from a showroom, Kip unwittingly leads the police to his crew's warehouse, forcing the thieves to flee. Detectives Castlebeck and Drykoff impound the stolen cars and open an investigation. Atlee Jackson, Kalitri's associate, reaches out to Kip's older brother, Randall Randall Memphis Rains, a notorious but reformed car thief. Memphis meets with Kalitri, who has kidnapped Kip and intends to kill him in in a car crusher. Memphis agrees to steal 50 cars within 72 hours, and Kip is released. Kalitri warns that if the cars are not delivered on time, Kip will be killed. Memphis visits his mentor, Otto Hallowell, and they assemble a crew of old associates. Donnie Astricki, now a driving instructor, Sphinx, a mute mortician, and Sarah Sway Wayland, a mechanic and bartender. Kip and his crew volunteer to help, and the group tracks down the cars, giving each a code name. Memphis insists on saving a 1967 Ford Shelby GT500, dubbed Eleanor, which he has attempted to steal before for last. While scouting the cars, he and Kip narrowly avoid being killed by a rival gang. Hoping to deliver the cars before they can be traced, the crew plans to steal all 50 cars in one night. Castlebeck and Drykoff learn that Kip bribed a Mercedes dealership employee to order laser-cut transponder keys, enabling the detectives to stake out the Mercedes cars on the cruise list. A member of Kip's crew impulsively steals a Cadillac Eldorado not on the list, and the crew discovers a stash of heroin in the trunk. Castlebeck arrives, forcing the crew to distract him while they dispose of the drugs. He leaves, having ascertained that the heist is happening that night. The crew sets their heist in motion, stealing the various cars and delivering them to Atlee on the docks. As they prepare to use the transponder keys to steal the Mercedes cars, Memphis spots Castlebeck and Drykoff watching from her surveillance van. Abandoning the cars under surveillance, the crew breaks into the police impound lot, distracting the guard and stealing the Mercedes cars originally stolen by Kip's crew. The plan is hampered temporarily when Otto's dog eats and eventually passes the keys. Memphis and Sway rekindle their past romance while stealing a Lamborghini Diablo. Castlebeck and Drykoff return to the warehouse seized from Kip's crew. Having found pieces of broken blacklight lamp, the detectives discover the crew's list of 50 cars written in ultraviolet sensitive plant or paint. I'm dumb. With too many cars to track, Castlebeck focuses on the Shelby GT500, knowing Memphis will steal it, and determines the location of the only 1967 Shelby in the area. When the crew steals a Cadillac Escalade, security is alerted, and a member of Kip's crew is injured. Memphis steals Eleanor just as the detectives arrive and leads the police on a chase through the city and into a shipyard. Reaching the Vincent Thomas Bridge, blocked by an accident, Memphis jumps Eleanor off a ramp of a tow truck and lands on the other side, evading the police. Memphis arrives at Kalitri's junkyard 12 minutes late, and Kalitri refuses to accept the slightly damaged Shelby, ordering his men to crush the car and kill Memphis. Kip and Atlee use the junkyard crane to knock out the henchman, and an armed Kalitri pursues Memphis into the warehouse as the detectives arrive. Kalitri prepares to shoot Castlebeck, but Memphis kicks Kalitri over the railing to his death. A grateful Castlebeck lets Memphis go free, and Memphis tells him where to find the container ship full of stolen cars. The crew celebrates with a barbecue, just like in Fast and the Furious. Hmm. And Kip reveals that he has bought Memphis the dilapidated 1967 Shelby GT500, which Memphis also calls Eleanor. Otto promises to restore the car, and Memphis invites Sway on a ride, but the car breaks down just as they drive. And that was gone in 60 seconds. Yes. It takes three minutes to read, but Jeez, 60 I know. seconds to watch. That's just steal. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. So, when did you first see Gone in sixty seconds? And uh, you know, did you like it? And and you said you weren't aware it was a remake until I think you were today years old. And today, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But were you were you a fan when it came out? Yeah, I was young. So two thousand, I was about thirteen. So I probably saw it when I was maybe fourteen or something like that. We had it on DVD. We had like ten DVDs to our name, but this was one of them. And I just remember it. Uh, this is one of the ones that I saw the very first. You wouldn't steal a car. You wouldn't steal this. Then why steal a movie sort of thing before the movie started? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the piracy. anti-piracy thing. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really liked it. I watched it with my family quite a bit. And uh, I don't know much about cars. I know before this, we were kind of talking about racing cars and stuff. I just know that they go fast. And so there there were some pretty amazing vehicles in this in this film, even for you know the early 2000s. But... Yeah, I liked Nick Cage a lot in it, and it was before he kind of went batshit crazy, or maybe he was always batshit crazy. He just really honed it in very well for this movie. But I, I remember liking it quite a bit when I first saw it. Sure. 
Tracy Chapman says, you got a fast car. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that song's 24 years old. You know that? Is it, it really? Just, yeah, it just had an anniversary the other day. April 6th, 1988. Wow. Yeah. I remember when you were driving, driving in your car. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to sing it, but I was refraining refra- from it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Slave so to I... the bottle, that's the way he is. <laughs> I know, it's such a depressing song. Yeah. Oh, it breaks my heart. I So I saw the movie opening day on June 9th in Tulsa, Oklahoma, of all places. Wow. What were you doing I, there? <laughs> I was visiting my buddy, Brian. Uh, he was going to flight school, Spartan University or whatever, and um, he was my buddy in high school and every Friday he, he was the one that I was at the theater with when that lady was disputing me over <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the five dollars or whatever. Oh, like, Wait man. a minute now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he and I went to the movies every Friday. And then so in the summertime, uh, I went to Tulsa to he and he came home for the summer and then I drove back with him and then flew home. Uh, so we did a fun little like uh, road trip, as it were. Cool. And then we saw the Gone in sixty seconds at his in his hometown. So yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I was like, "Fuck yeah, man! I like cars." <laughs> they go vroom vroom. Yeah, they do vroom vroom, motherfucker. Um, so yeah, good times. So we've spoken about remakes before on this podcast, and from what I gather, uh, I feel like the acceptance of remakes slash reboots are on a case by case basis. Uh, would you say that that's fair to say? Is it? It's not about necessarily the gap between releases, but also the subject matter. And I think to a certain extent, the brilliance of the original, uh, sort of the old mantra, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. What are your thoughts on remakes, yay or nay? And what is your criteria, Zach, for greenlighting a remake? Yeah, so I mean, uh, I'm not a huge fan of remakes, but... I say that in a certain sense as I look at my posters that I have in my room for the thing, because I think that's I mean, that's obviously a remake. And well, I guess it's not obvious, but that's a remake. And it was very well done. And it's one of my favorite movies ever. Um, so I think it's it's hard to really think of a criteria. But for me, I think the inv- the advancement of technology can really help uh, make a story better. So for the original thing, like from the 50s, it was it's a sci fi film and it's pretty cheesy but we saw what rob botten did for this um for the the thing the 1987 one and <clears throat> just how incredible it looked and felt and it felt like a horror film like true sci-fi horror film and so in that sense if technology can be upgraded and you can also additionally make it scarier or you can take a complex story and build off of it, then that's great. So I think heist films like so Ocean's Eleven and whatnot, like those movies are remakes, right? Have haven't they been remade like three times like the Ocean's films? Um, <clears throat> those are good because the story is complex enough to where you can change aspects of the heist. It doesn't need to be shot for shot remake. It doesn't need to be a Gus Van Zant psycho. You can <laughs> you <laughs> right. can. Yeah, you can do different stuff with it. Um, I I don't think, though, like f- certain films you should never remake, like the Shawshank Redemption, The Godfather, uh, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. Like there are movies that y- no one will ever remake them because they can't. And then I also look at movies like Point Break and I'm like, why the hell did they remake that? That movie was awesome to begin with. Why did they want to do it again? And it feels just like a GoPro commercial. So I think you have to have a complex enough story to create a new spin on it. Um, otherwise, I don't like the the trend that was happening where they're just gender swapping just to make money. And I'm looking at you, Ghostbusters, answer the call. While I didn't mind the movie too much and I loved all the actresses that were in it, I was more just pissed at the whole idea of it because I was like, why can't you just make all four of them do a new story, like something really creative and not the Ghostbusters? It, it would have been, I think that would have been cool. But that's just my opinion on it. Mm. So I do think that horror films tend to make for better remakes just because of connecting with today's audience, I think is easier when it's relatable mm-hmm. and when people have to pick up a phone and, and make a long distance phone call. That doesn't mean anything to anybody today. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you know, we, or, or just being in remote areas, cell phones can save the day pretty much all the time now. Uh, 
Same with like hacking. I hate the the hacking. <laughs> they hack in this one too. In this movie, <laughs> I know, I know. And this is kind of where it's at, right? Where they have yeah. he has the key that's not really a key that gets the frequency right to to be able to turn the the ignition and everything. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, that's convenient. And <laughs> I mean, whatever, nanobots. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, holy shit. I don't, I don't like that. Uh, versus, you know, cracking the steering column open and having a red wire and a blue wire and twisting them together, and then the car starts. I, not, not that I know anything about how to steal a car, but for some reason, that just seems more valid than sticking some sort of sonic screwdriver into the ignition and it coming up with the right passcode or whatever. Yeah, but but serious. cat burglar movies are always like that, right? They slap a fat, you know, disc on a, on a door, and then. <laughs> There's little waves, and then it magically figures out what the combination is to the lock, and then they open it. Whereas in like <laughs> RoboCop, Clarence Boddicker's mad because like you burnt the fucking money because they needed like yeah. fucking dynamite to blow the goddamn thing, right? So there's a smash and grab, and then there's the finesse. And I think Ocean's Eleven has a really fun way of of sort of towing that line and having a little bit of both, but it making sense and being believable, and it's just a good time. Um, but like some remakes, you, know, you mentioned some that you just don't ever want to see touched. You know, like Wizard of Oz is probably one for me. Right. I know they're like Charlie and Chocolate Factory is, is kind of a big deal. I think that's kind of weird that they were redoing that. Um, but it, it it is what it is. We've already had a Johnny Depp version and now there's going to be even another version. And you're just like, Come yeah. on, let, let it go. But I mean, we do. We did uh, Hills Have Eyes on this podcast and. That's one of my favorite scary movies ever. And I like the remake even more. So yeah. uh, you, you just never really know. Same with uh, Evil Dead. I really enjoy the shit out of, out of the remake of that. But uh, you never you never can tell. I think sometimes comedies are a bit trickier. You know, if it's a sure. comedy, then it should be timeless and you can watch it whenever. Like I can watch an episode of I Love Lucy and laugh my ass off. And that was from 1950. Yeah. So. And with horror films, I mean, I'm looking at uh, Scream 5, or it's just called Scream, where, you know, it's it's basically same kind of beats from the original Scream film, like so many callbacks to it. But it was neat because, you know, it was like door unlocked, door locked, door unlocked, Like they're using apps or using cell phones, and it, it makes it a little more modern. And so in that sense, I can I can sometimes be okay with it because horror films like we've we've talked about many times on the past like you were just saying um that adds a level of of of, uh, scariness of um you know instinctual like what would i do in this kind of situation if i was at home and i heard front door unlocked right now i'd be like holy shit right yeah um there's yeah antiquated ways of no one carries cash anymore and knowing (laughs) no one has keys anymore so it's just (laughs) It's right. it's neat to it's it's neat to kind of see uh, a film progress in certain ways, and I mean that wasn't even really a remake; they called it like a requel, right? Right. So getting all hybridy, but um, which makes sense. I mean, it sounds <clears> stupid, <throat> but at the end of the day, it yeah it makes sense. It's rebooting well, it, the franchise, but it's also continuing the story. Yeah, and you're talking a movie. So seventy four was the first gone in sixty seconds. So tw- twenty six years later, uh, the, the sequel or the remake comes out in a time where they have DVDs and you can use CGI and you can do different you know things. Um, so I think having it more accessible is is great. But now that Gone in sixty seconds is in kind of like the annals of of all the streaming services. Like I watch it on Amazon Prime. There's really no need to to remake it. It would just be we've seen so many car racing films, and Fast and the Furious has pretty much taken that over. So it would just be another generic car film if you were to do it. So mm-hmm. I, I I don't think that they should touch this one in the in the sense like. It's already been remade. You don't want a copy of a copy of a copy. So Right. A simulacrum or whatever the word is. Yeah. Something um, like that. Okay. That's fair. All right. So Nicolas Cage has over 100 acting credits on his resume. The man has been working nonstop with at least one film releasing every year since 1986. It would have been all the way since 1982, but the man got lazy and took a year off in 1985. So what can he do? I know, right? By the year 2000, Cage had won an Oscar for leaving Las Vegas. Uh, was clearly a box office draw with the rock and face off. Uh, was this peak cage for you or just another action movie with that long hair from Con Air? <laughs> Casey, I give my daughter Casey. <laughs> and you know what? Just for food for thought, 
uh, just to show you how busy this man is, in 2011, he had five films. 2016, he had five films. 2017, <laughs> 18, and 19, all three of those years, he did six films. Oh, my gosh. That's a fuck ton of movies, man. And they were all VOD, probably. Busy, busy, busy. I really want to see that new one where he's with uh, Pedro yeah, Pascal. The, the unbearable oh weight of massive talent. It actually looks really good. It does. I, I saw a trailer, and I thought it was fun. I think it's his way of kind of poking fun at himself, but also just being, like, maybe cathartic or inter- introspective. Right. So, so that'll so be was really this, interesting. Was this peak cage for you or just another action movie? It was on the cusp of it. So peak cage for me is con air. Honestly, um, I freaking love con air. It's one of my, whenever I ask people like, what's a film, if you were to turn on, on the cable TV right now, let's imagine everyone has cable and you were flipping through channels and it went to like TNT or something like that. And there was a movie on, halfway through and it wasn't Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> What's a film that you could watch at any point and just be like, I, I love this movie. I'm going to keep watching it. And for me, it was Con Air. For my brother, it was Gone in 60 Seconds because he really liked this movie a lot and he was in the cars. But for me, it was always Con Air. I'm like, I fucking love Con Air. It was just awesome. It was stupid. It made no sense at all. And it felt like, you know, there was music playing every second. Um, Nicholas Cage was a horrible, he had a horrible accent. He was jacked though for the role. Like he yeah. got pretty big, but I, I love that movie. So for me, peak Nicholas Cage was Con Air. But if you ask 34 year old Zach, I would say The Rock because like when we did The Rock for the podcast, I forgot how much I really enjoyed that movie and I liked it as I got older. Um, but like me, my fun side says Con Air is always the peak. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's hard to beat the rock, man. It's one of the greatest so Dave, action. Dave and I were talking about this today at lunch and, you know, the rock, he's still kind of a fish out of water. You know, he, Nicholas Cage obviously been working a lot in a long time, but he was becoming like a super mega star, right? He just won the Academy Award for leaving Las Vegas. Now he's in the rock with fucking Sean Connery. Uh, and that's great. And then it sets him on this trajectory to just make a billion fucking movies in a row. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> And and some of them are fun and some of them are amazing. I think I do think that I mean, while I enjoy I enjoy The Rock probably the most, uh, I do think that this was Pete Cage as far as like the last amazing movie that he was going to make in for me to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas like Randy Van Dyke from Geek Legacy would probably say National Treasure. That's probably one of his favorites. Maybe even Alex, too. I think she really likes the National Treasure movies. But for me, I think once once Gone in 60 Seconds is over, it's sort of a downward trajectory for me. Right. Uh, I would it, say. Well, it's weird, too, because Nicolas Cage, I mean, love him or hate him, you have to kind of applaud what he does is he just works to work and he kind of doesn't give a shit. He makes whatever movie he wants. So, I mean, that's pretty admirable. But... I think there's a, a fan base out there and, and Nicolas Cage, the man has been transcended by Nicolas Cage, the idea and people are rooting for him to make like the next great performance. And so you'll see like color out of space or um, he made one Mandy uh, as another one too, or mom and dad, or these are all recent ones within the past few years. Pig pig is, is a recent one that I actually really want to see. It's on Hulu, but I mean, I'm hearing rumblings, anecdotes, right? Where people are saying, oh yeah, like he does such a good job in this role. He's actually fantastic in this movie. And I'm kind of just like, I don't know if I want to believe you in that. I think you just want him to be really good. So, but at the end of the day, he's still Nicolas Cage. Right. Um, I saw Vampire's Kiss uh, like probably a year ago. Um, Have you seen that? No, I remember you and uh, Mr. Stephen Alva Wood. Yeah, from Horror Squad talking about it, and he recommended it, but it I is, haven't got around uh, to it. It is batshit crazy. It is, it is. I mean, and th- it was made in the '80s, right? right? So you're getting what you see with Nicolas Cage now. Back then, it it's the craziest, weirdest movie that I did not like it when I saw it, but I could not stop thinking about it. So I think that's like the the impact that Nick Cage has on some of his films. And so I wonder if maybe that's why Con Air has stuck with me for so long. And that's why maybe Gone in 60 Seconds has stuck with me for so long. I mean, because I remember pretty much every part of this movie. I was I was watching it, but I was like, OK, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And I, I have not, I haven't seen this movie as much as I've seen uh, um, Face Off even. 
So like I've seen face off in Conair way more than I've seen gone 60 seconds, but I don't know, man. It's um, people are just, they root for him. He has that weird draw to it. Sure. No, 100%. Randy is like one of the biggest Nicholas Cage fans <laughs> on the planet. It's so, it's so weird. Borderline unhealthy. It's so funny. So we're all going to go watch his new one together. And I'm very excited about that. I am excited because it's got Pedro and it looks, it actually looks like a really good idea. So I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for it. And then uh, I liked him in Spider-Man too, into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. Real hard boiled egg there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's funny. So like most good heist films, the entire cast should have a moment to shine and show what they bring to the table. Did Gone in 60 Seconds deliver on that? Or were some of the thieves done dirty and shortchanged on screen time? Uh, I think they all had something to bring to the table. I think I think they did a pretty good job of showcasing all of that. Maybe not, maybe not in the sense of like, uh, you know, Ocean's Eleven or anything, but I think they all kind of had agency and you you could recognize each one. Like mm-hmm. you had the hacker, Scott Con was just kind of the dummy guy who talked about masturbating yeah, a, with the dead hand. So. He's, he's like the brute force. Kind yeah, of guy. he's the boxer looking so, guy. Yeah, there's like two par- there's parallels, right? Because there's two hackers, uh, you know, the, the two car thieves, you know, with the with the fingerprints and everything like that. Like, no, yeah. that's the old way. There's a new way. <laughs> Then you got like uh, Sphinx is kind of his. He's the old school muscle versus Scott Kahn's the new school muscle. Uh, so it's definitely like a like a mirror mirror universe mm-hmm. going on between two schools of thought on how to handle business. Yeah, totally. Which I thought that was interesting. I I, I enjoyed it. Giovanni mm-hmm. Ribisi is like the greasiest grease ball ever. And I know <laughs> he looks like that food that he was cooking at the beginning of the movie <laughs> <laughs> with all the salt in it. Yeah. Yeah. He's dirty. In that I think movie. he, I think he spilled some un- unobtainium inside of it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Ooh, he looks gross. He does look really movie. gross. He's a, uh, he's, he's one of those actors though. That's been in a ton of movies that I like that. I'm just like, man, why isn't this guy like way bigger than what he needs to be? Yeah. So. He's fun. But I think they did a pretty good job of showcasing everybody. They each had good moments, right? Um, even the guy with the long hair who was in, uh, he was he might have been in Speed, I think. But um, he was he was riding around with uh, She McBride or whatever that guy's name is, Shy McBride. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So. We like heist movies. We talk about them all the time. You got your Ocean's Eleven, Heat, Fast and Furious, Driver, The Town there. Uh, where do you rank Gone in 60 Seconds? Is it a top five or top ten heist movie for you? I've never really thought about that. So I would say. So well, there's nine Fast and Furious movies. So that's one through <laughs> yeah. nine in that order. Well, and we all Reverse know. order. <laughs> we all know The Town is not a heist film. So. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Oh, I am prepared to die on that hill. Oh, man, I love the town. It is 100% a heist film. Yeah, it's 100% a heist film. So uh, I would, you know, I would say yeah. And and the biggest reason why is because. Yeah, top 10 or yeah, top five? I think it's a top 10. It's not a top five. I think it's a top 10. And most of the heist films we see are about money, right? So you're trying to steal dollars or you're trying to steal diamonds or something like that. And in this one, it's such a cool idea that you have to steal 50 cars in a night. Uh, I think that's great. The one thing that I didn't like about this movie, though, is that they wait until like the last freaking minute for the cars. I understand their plan of like if we steal them all, um, they, they'll get reported stolen like the next day, but we'll, we'll already be gone by then. But I mean, you know, Nick Cage is like, oh, I have 15 minutes left. I'm like, why didn't you give yourself at least like an hour or something like that left? So you didn't have you weren't 12 well, minutes late showing up. They lost time with the Mercedes, though. Oh, uh, that's the true. ladies were dirty. So then they had to come up with a new plan. Mm, then they had yeah. to get the keys from the dog. Uh, then they had to go to the impound and then steal those cars. So that ate up a lot of the time. I guess they did give some wiggle room then. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a novel idea. And when you kind of think about it, I, I can imagine like a pitch meeting for this, right? It's like they have to steal 50 cars in 72 hours or something like that. And right. It's, what? <laughs> like, it's kind of a weird idea. But yeah, I would have to say it has to be on there in, in the top 10 for heist films. So the ones for me that are, are like tops are like Ocean's Eleven's really hard to beat. I, I love the Ocean's movies. They're so fun. And I always have to pay attention when I watch it again because I'm like, wait a minute. What happened? Uh, love those. Love Fast Five. Love the town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heat. 
Heat is an amazing heist film. I am so. picking up what you're putting down. I, Absolutely. Like to rank them all, like it's weird because Ocean's Eleven might be my favorite heist movie, but I actually really like the town more than Ocean's Eleven, but in a different way. <laughs> but at the, I think if I had to make a heist movie ranking order, Ocean's Eleven would be number one. Same, and Fast Five would be right up there with <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Holy it's more, it's more authenticious. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Get on the fucking oh. ground. <laughs> that movie's so good. Yeah, oh it's my god. Pretty amazing. Oh, what can you do? My goodness. Oh, I am. This flower is a wilting. <laughs> my goodness. So Raymond Kalitri needs fifty cars. Five zero. <laughs> that's a lot of whips uh, were there any standouts for you on that list or were the cars more of an afterthought which is interesting because this is a car stealing movie <laughs> but i think they're an afterthought like i don't even fucking get a good look at any of the cars minus minus this this fake shelby you know 67 gt car 500, yeah that's the only car you honestly get a really good look at so i'm curious what your thoughts are on that yeah that is true that's interesting that you're right we only get to see them drive up and then go into crates um or containers i'm not a car guy uh, i mean if people are like oh man check out that 39 banger with the 512 on the on the <laughs> yeah. camshaft and i'm just yeah. like does yeah. it have a steering wheel <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i'm like is it a sledgehammer <laughs> yeah so, uh, so you mean I, the red one yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> I really did like the Lamborghini Diablo and uh, I just remember playing like racing games and having a Diablo in it too, like cruising USA or, or Forza or something like that. So it was the one and, and the scene was pretty cool how they set it up too. They were going to steal it him and sway. And then the, the rich guy was getting ready to have sex with the lady. So they kind of had to wait behind the car for a little while, but mm-hmm. that one was really awesome. I enjoyed the hell out of that. Um, all the Ferraris, so the first cars they stole were really cool because I love older Ferraris, and especially mm-hmm. since like that's my team, Scudera Ferrari. I was very happy with those. Um, and then Eleanor, I mean, Eleanor just looked beautiful. Uh, I had I had a huge thing about um, you know Shelby Cobras back in the day when I thought I knew a little bit about cars, uh, even though I know I'm not a car guy. I was like, oh yeah, Shelby Cobra, love it, so cool. Yeah. But you're like Shelby's hot. Yeah. She's, she's pretty hot now. Carol, so, yeah. Carol Shelby's hot, yeah. one hot lady. Criminals are hot. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Oh man. One man. Trained by the country love. Exactly. Uh so I, those were some of the standouts. I thought there were other cool ones. Like I really liked the uh they had the Model T. That was really cool to see. And then the the car that they stole that they like pressed a button underneath and it had flames coming out of the exhaust. That was fun. Um, I didn't think the escalator was anything very, I mean, I thought that was very basic. Uh, there were like a couple other little ones that I enjoyed, but I wasn't blown away by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a pretty eclectic mix of cars. They had quite a few and it's interesting how they thought of the list. I wonder if they were just like, well, these are going to be easy to steal. Right. Yeah, well, some of the, like even like the the SUV, right? Like the that Yukon or whatever it was, mm-hmm. uh, that is a a higher end of that car to where it's like a luxury vehicle on wheels that holds a billion people. So at the time, that was kind of a new concept where it was. Uh, I, I can imagine it going to like a Saudi prince or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's this this big vehicle that has this super mega sound system. The the leather seats, it's really comfortable, it's roomy, it's spacious, all that stuff. And so, I mean, that's something that that was a trend for, like, still now, basically. I mean, it's 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 one of those things that is is continuing today where a, a family can can have their own space and they're yeah. not crammed, yeah. you know. So at the, at the time, that car makes sense. But when you look at it now, you're like, what asshole wants to drive this car around? I know. Yeah. Especially with gas prices the way they are. I know. Right it's six dollars a gallon here. I don't know what you're oh paying. Oh my god. It's uh I paid four sixty the other day for oh, it. And man. I I did not fill up. I was like, Expecto petroleum. Yeah. So. It's pricey. It's it's five ninety nine a gallon here, man. Woo. That is yeah. not good. It was eighty dollars to put thirteen gallons in my drink. My god. I was like, holy smokes. Yeah. Highway robbery. Thanks, Biden. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
Oh my god, my favorite like thanks Obama moment was when Obama was sitting in his chair eating like milk and cookies and he tried to he had his cookie was so big it wouldn't fit <laughs> yeah. in his milk glass. And he's like trying to get in, he's like, Thanks, Obama. Oh, oh man, I miss god. Obama. He was it so was cool. So he can make fun of himself. Man, he was awesome. Yeah, that's right. So Change. let's talk about <laughs> Obama. Obama. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about Delroy Lindo and his character, Detective Roland Castlebeck. What did you think of his performance and on-screen chemistry with Cage? Uh, also, were you satisfied with the resolution between Reigns and Castlebeck? Yeah, I really liked Elroy Lindo. I thought he was great. He was a, a very believable detective. He didn't seem, you know, like a, a dumb guy saying dumb lines. He seemed very believable. He seemed like he knew about cars and he was always a step ahead of them, yet they were always a step ahead of him. Right. Um, like, and I he should be the smartest person in the room, but there's a couple of sneaky sneaks t- totally. <laughs> that he's dealing with. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like the whole black light thing. And he just, yeah. he, he was he was on it. It was it was cool. So I really enjoyed that threat, right? So you have Kalitri that you're worried about, but then you also have um, uh, his character. I forgot his character's Castlebeck. name. Castlebeck. Castlebeck. You have him and Timothy Oliphant. Uh, the Oliphants yeah. are coming. <laughs> By the time uh, you get out of that, so there won't even be cars. We'll all be like... And yeah. <laughs> so and that's stupid. gonna suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, they had a good chemistry, and I enjoyed it. And I think the scene when, when he goes in to see the Cadillac Eldorado that they have... Uh, inside of uh, Robert Duvall's shop. Auto he, shop, yeah. Yeah, and he like he can match him. He knows everything about it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I thought that, he, that know, was and he really knows fun. that they're lying. He yeah, 100% he knows they're lying. Totally yeah. does, but I mean, he doesn't really have anything else. He's just like, I know what the job's... I, I got some sensitive info and stuff, but yeah, they had a lot of good back and forth. They both were like, look, we don't trust each other, but at the same time, we respect each other, blah, 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 blah. So he's great, man. I, I didn't see the five bloods, but I guess he got um, snuffed on a nomination in 2020. That was a Spike Lee uh, mm-hmm. film. And then he's been in like a lot of other stuff. And I, I really I really like him a lot, though. Yeah, I like him in Get Shorty. I think he's so funny. In Get That's Shorty. right. Yeah, he's in Get the Shorty. Driver. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the yayo. <laughs> he's like, oh, and the yo-yo is Mr. Escobar's son. <laughs> or his nephew. That's what it was. The yo-yo is Mr. Escobar's nephew. And when he's like, uh, when he's in the limo and he's like, uh, what? He's like, where's, where's yayo? And he's like, I gave him the money and sent him on his way. Like, you gave him the money. Well, I gave him keys to a locker that had the money in it. And he's like, I thought he went home. And he's like, why are you talking to me in this bullshit? Maybe I should have Ramon and Cesar staple your tongue to your chin. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think you speak very good English, Mr. Escobar. It's <laughs> 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 just so funny. So when, uh, when me, Dave, and Randy were selling used cars, uh, we wanted to write a movie about it and call it The Showroom. And I wanted so bad for Delroy Lindo to play the president of our dealership uh, because our current president, his name was Mike Timmons, and he was such a hard ass. And um, and he he just rode people and and so many people in the industry couldn't stand him. They hated him. uh, And it was he was hard to do business with. And I think that Delroy Lindo would have done uh, that role tremendous justice and it would have been perfect for him. Yeah, I'm looking at his IMDb, and apparently he's going to be in the the new Blade movie with yeah, Michelle Ali. I know, so can't wait. I, I'm pumped for that. Maybe he'll be like Whistler or something like that. But I like him a lot. He's he's, uh, he's a good actor. Yeah, the yo yo. <laughs> oh yeah, even when he shoots, him, he's like, "What the fuck are you gonna do with that?" He's like, "I'm taking you out, Yahoo." <laughs> oh man, good shorty. We should do that one. That's a good one. that's an Elmore Leonard movie, you know. Oh, I did not so, know that. Yeah, uh, Elmore Leonard, he uh, did like Jackie Brown, mm-hmm. right? And um, I guess it was Rum Punch, right? Um, which is great. And Timothy Oliphant is in Justified, and that's fucking a Elmore Leonard show too. Oh, yeah. more you know. And they were partners in this movie. My goodness. <laughs> that's another Kevin Bacon thing. Oh, <laughs> Six degrees. Another so, Ethan Hawke. <laughs> I know, right? So, where was I? On our last podcast, we discussed the Batman in great detail. One of the high points for audience members was the car chase between Batman and the Penguin. As far as Gone in 60 Seconds goes, how do you feel about the final car chase with Reigns in the 67 GT versus the entire LAPD? Was it great in the year 2000 and not so much in 2022? Or does it still hold up? Your listeners want to know. Um... I thought it was, 
I thought it was good. I, I wasn't as soon as he saw and I completely forgot about this part, even though I said I'd seen it quite a few times. I forgot him about him jumping over the traffic. And that's mm-hmm. like le- one of my least favorite tropes is when you kind of see that happen. And it's, you know, uh, one of those trucks that carries a lot of cars and sure the, the bed is down like that. So people are like, I'm going to jump my car over this. It was pretty ridiculous. So, I mean, if if Nick Cage actually did do a lot of the driving for that, I think that's really neat. So it was something to look at and it was fine, but I, I don't think it really held up as, as much. And like, I've definitely seen better. So in the sense of, I found like I was trying to write down some that uh, were before this movie or around the time of 2000. But I mean, I look at like the road warrior uh, Terminator Two, even the rock, uh, that car chase scene through San Francisco is really cool because of the Hills. Yeah. Uh, mm, the Matrix Reloaded. You totaled your Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. The it's Matrix <laughs> Reloaded. <laughs> um, that highway scene is just absolutely incredible on that. Yeah, uh, that's fa- 2003, though. Yeah, that's what I meant, like a little bit be- oh, a little okay. bit after. But yeah, just three years, yeah. Yeah, and Fast and the Furious. I mean, that one is just, that whole movie is about racing scenes. So all of those, I think, held up. They still hold up now. Because, I mean, I've seen all of those recently in the past, like, year or two. And they all hold up really well. Um, I love T2 chase scenes. They're just absolutely incredible. So, but then my recent favorite movies uh, with car, my, my recent favorites of like recent movies are baby driver, Mad Max Fury road, uh, the Batman mission impossible fallout and fast five. Those are some of the ones that are very memorable for me for uh, movies in the past, like 10 years, maybe mm-hmm. um, that the car chases. I just am like, Holy crap. These are incredible. Baby driver really got me to that point when I was like, holy buckets. And that was like 2017, I think. Yeah. And there's two things happening in that, though. There's a visual component and an audio component with mm-hmm. with Baby Driver. So that's kind of that puts it in another league just because of the way it's edited and everything. Yeah. Because like Edgar Wright is like a master of editing. So mm-hmm. but um, it's it was OK. I wasn't blown away. It wasn't my favorite part of the movie, honestly. I think just every stealing all the cars itself and all the different plans were, were really, really cool. Just right. finding that's, that. So. That's really where the movie shines. I do like it yeah. when the one guy gets hit the wrecking ball and he's like, check on him. He's like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. Are you sure? Because you just went through a wall. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, that's funny. So, you know, and I agree. Uh, you know, Fast Five is easily my favorite Fast and Furious movie. I love that movie so goddamn much. And then... You know, Matrix Reloaded is probably for me, hands down, bar none, the best car chase scene ever. Yeah. And that's going to be a tough one to top. It really uh, is. All, all the ones you mentioned are great. Uh, but that that's uh, reloaded on the freeway with the trucks. That's <laughs> so good. <laughs> and um, and then even like some old movies, you know, like Bullet and Steve McQueen. That dude's mm-hmm. a fucking badass man. So, um you know, you should you should check that out whenever you get a chance. I've um, seen parts of Bullet. I know that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've just seen enough in like YouTube clips and pop culture mm-hmm. and stuff, but I've never actually seen it all the way through. Yeah, it's pretty rad. It's good time. That's a Mustang too, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, they they remade like a a, a Bullet car in. Uh, I feel like it was like in two thousand four or five or something, but I remember having it on our lot, and I was like, whoa. um so there was that but yes definitely some cool chase scenes but i i do think that the the driving itself is an afterthought in this movie it's more about the just we got to get these cars or kip is gonna go bye-bye you know it's it's high stakes but fun at the same time and the cars are while they're there it's all about the prep and the actual stealing and not the getaway the only real getaway is at the end. Yeah. It's just fun to see them all work so deftly and, you know, th- like they know all the answers and know where everything is. They it's they're in and out super quick. You know, they're the not fucking around crew. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty awesome. And that's that's my favorite part in heist films. When everything just goes off without a hitch, you're like, oh, that's right. fun. Versus so. that one more job. We need more money. We need gotta get to Tahiti. Yeah. And then it goes bad real fast. Yep. Uh, so Christopher Eccleston, he has gone on record saying that his performance as Raymond Colucci was terrible. Does this movie have a villain problem? I don't I don't know. I don't think he's terrible in it, but he is kind of a bitch in it. He, I, I don't like the whole woodworking thing. He didn't seem that sinister. Like, I, I wasn't scared of him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
sure. I mean, he had muscle around him and all that kind of stuff that could easily kill people, but he just didn't seem like a psychopath. He just, he just appeared as a, a normal guy. So I don't think, I don't think he was terrible by any stretch, but I was kind of like, well, whatever insert random bad guy here wants to kill Kip. Um, but I do like his accent. It was neat. Mm-hmm. So, right. So, you know, he thinks he did terrible. I, I don't have a problem with him. I, you know, I know when he's, when him and, and cage and, and Will Patton are in the scene together and they, there's the coffin. He's like his first one built it himself, you yeah. know, and you, you think that Kip is going to be in there and then he opens it and it's empty. And then he's like, where's my brother? And then he starts walking away. And then Will Patton just kind of like flags like this guy's fucking weird. That's one of the, my favorite nonverbal moments in the whole movie. I think that's great. Uh, Will Patton's <laughs> one of those guys that you don't. He's in a billion movies. But oh, no my one God. Really remembers his name, you know? Yeah. Um, Remember the so, Titans. That's what exactly. I call him. <laughs> yeah. And, and Armageddon. <laughs> Armageddon. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's pretty cool. But I don't I don't think the villain is integral to the story the story is for 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 reigns to to steal 50 cars or his brother's going to get killed it doesn't matter who kills him it's just that's what's going to happen and Mm -hmm. so i do like it's just it's high stakes the only thing they have to gain is saving his brother's life which is which is a big deal that's more than money could ever buy right but that's what i like about it it's 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 they are put in this position to do something that he never wanted to do again that he promised he would never do again and you know he left his family his friends uh, you know, his, his, his partner and it was a big deal. And that's what brought him back. And mm-hmm. that's what I like about the movie. That's, that's what seals. It. it doesn't need a villain because it's just, it's just high stakes is all it right. is. Yeah. It doesn't need, it doesn't have a villain problem regardless of who Raymond Kalitri is or how he acts. It doesn't matter. It's, it's going to be a bullet or a, or a, a car crunching device <laughs> that ends Kip Reigns, yeah. not Raymond Kalitri. So, all right, so uh, Dominic Cena had directed over 40 music videos before directing uh, this feature film. Do you think his experience telling a story in three to five minutes helped him shoot Gone in 60 Seconds? And were there any shots or scenes that reminded you of how a music video would play out? Yeah, I mean, I think the whole movie felt like a music video. And when I when I read this question, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there was a lot of like Moby music playing and just yeah, different things. Yeah, brings out a down. Yeah, and I don't know what it was about late '90s, early 2000s films, but I, I, I think of like Armageddon and Enemy of the State and Speed Two, Cruise Control, and Con Air, where there's always music playing like nonstop. And this mm-hmm. movie felt very similar to like Enemy of the State, um, where it was a collection of so many like, oh, I know who that guy is, and oh, look, there's Jack Black. Oh, there's Barry Pepper. Oh, there's you know Scott Con in this movie and that movie and. So I felt like they had the same kind of foundations um, and the music was very integral to this film, but it kind of fit though, because like it makes sense about the music videos being, you know, three or four minutes long, because I think this movie's made up of a lot of scenes, just like a lot of scenes and not long drawn out takes. It's very much a steal these cars, steal these cars, yeah, steal these cuts. cars. Yep, this is lots of quick going, cuts yeah. mm-hmm. uh, to try to keep your attention span up. And um, obviously music is at a centerpiece of this entire thing, too, because it really gives a character to the film. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't really I can't think of any scenes in particular other than when they're stealing the cars. There's music playing and, you know, the montage style stuff is happening. So mm-hmm. um I think that's neat. The car, the car racing scene is always good. One of my favorite, it's not this movie, but in um, like Con Air, when he, when they go to the boneyard and he has to go get the first aid kit with the insulin and stuff. And he's like, let's do this. And then the music Mm -hmm. picks up at crescendos and it's all or whatever. Mm -hmm. I love that. So that kind of stuff kind of happens in this when he's uh, evading the police, but I don't remember the exactly how the music was. It wasn't like super upbeat or anything. It was kind of more wholesome and promising when he's right. driving. It had a cinematic so, approach versus yes, you know, yeah. like a lyrical song like yeah. when DMX is playing. It makes sense because it's it's wacky hijinks in a in a parking garage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it's a comical moment. There's a fucking snake in a car. So those (laughs) snakes on a plane, snakes in a Humvee, there's all kinds of stuff. So it definitely, that called for some party music because the snake was the party. And I love the random master P uh, cameo has like the bad guy. That was so weird. But smoke you. 
I know, right? Not, yeah. Not now. Yeah. Yeah. But it makes sense that when I when I read that, I was like, oh, OK, that I could see how he could be a music video director. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I have. What are your final thoughts and letter grade for Gone in 60 Seconds? I think this movie is a really good popcorn flick. It's a really good movie to just kind of put on randomly. And I know that the critics didn't like it back in, in 2000 <laughs> for some reason. But 25%. I mean, five percent. Like we always say, we're like, were you even watching the same movie we were watching? I mean, you know, it's it's fun. It's yeah, it's stupid at times. But I mean, I could argue that there are so many dumber films out there about cars and stuff like any of the Fast and Furious movies beyond like Fast Five. They get a little wonky at times. And this movie was a lot more grounded than that. And it seemed a little far fetched a few moments at a few moments. But it's just a fun film. And so I think if you ask any of our friends, right? They'll be like, oh, I love that movie. Or, oh, yeah, you know, it's not going to win any Academy Awards, but it's just a comfort blanket to put on. <laughs> win Academy Award. For best, best movie, movie ever. ever. <laughs> the Jackhawk 9000, available at Walmart. I, yeah. but it's for me, I mean, I have plenty of these nights where I'm like, man, I want to watch something, but I, I, I like want to loosely pay attention because maybe I'll like clean up my kitchen or something like that, or I'm going to fold laundry or whatever. So I'll try to put on a movie that I've seen before. Uh, and it's funny cause I was looking at my, my Hulu and it's like, just because we think you'd like these movies and it was like starship troopers, predator, like terminator. And then it had like another Arnold movie. I'm like, they do know me. I do right. put those movies on quite a bit. So like I put starship troopers on the other day and I'm like, man, this movie's so good. <laughs> so, so good. Um, and this is kind of one of those movies that if I opened up the stars app or something, let's say it's on stars and I'm like, Oh, well, I'll put that on. That sounds pretty good. And just let it play in the background. It's, you you watch it every once in a while and you know the similar beats if you've seen it before and um, it just kind of hits. So I, I, I enjoy this movie. Um, it's not my favorite. So, I mean, it's probably a B minus for me, but it's just an overall fun movie. Yeah, that's fair. I think I'm more in the, the solid B category. Uh, I have seen this movie a billion trillion times and I absolutely love it. Uh, it, which is weird because, like I said, there isn't a whole lot of like driving in this movie. Yeah, you're it's right. Mostly, it's kids on go karts at the beginning, and then it's the final chase at the end. It's just the stealing of the cars. But I like the chemistry with the whole group. I think it's 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 got a very dynamic cast. That's that's a lot of fun, and uh, the banter is awesome. And I, I I like the score. I like the 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 beats that are happening. I like the cat and mouse between uh, Castlebeck and and Reigns. Yeah, and I really just, like that a lot. Yeah, it's fun, and I even like the the dynamic between uh, Delroy Lindo and Timothy Oliphant. I think it's funny how he's he's kind of like under his wing and learning how to be, you know, a great cop and everything. And and Delroy Lindo just doesn't have time for his nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he's like, man, he's fast, and he's like, it's probably mostly the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> He took that personal. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I enjoy the show. This movie, I I could watch it again uh, right now. And and again, like there's that whole line that was missing, and it was like freaking me out, and it was really bothering me. Where Raymond Cleetry's like, I need fifty cars, not forty nine, <laughs> but fifty five zero. <laughs> and I'm like, where is that line? It's cut. So apparently, there's an extended edition floating around. I have it on 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 DVD. So I have to pop that in and just just to hear it because I feel like I'm going fucking crazy. It can't be a Mandela effect because David uses that quote too. So we both like <laughs> it. We both heard it. And it's really bothering me that it wasn't on Prime. It's driving me nuts. Yeah. So, well, uh, I'll check my my catalog. Maybe I have the extended edition. I doubt it. But, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. But yeah, that's our show. We We are back. Sorry, we took a, a bit of a, a hiatus. There was a, a month off. Mr. Mr. Zach had had uh, explored the world, and he made it back safely. And we're very grateful and excited for that. So welcome back, Zach. And I look forward to our next episode. Yeah. We can do that string being Rick James looking mofo. Oh, we can. <laughs> I, I mean, I just watched it. You know what? It's funny. Is I just bought that fucking movie the other day. So too. did I. It was I like $5. So I'm did like, I. I'm like totally pulling the trigger. Last Dragon. Let's do it. And then it's on HBO Max. And I'm like, damn it. Uh, they always do, do that to us. I know. They, <laughs> they know. Do that. They, some <laughs> they know. little birdie varies is whispering to these fuckers saying, hey, this shit's going to be on HBO next month. You better sell it right now while it's hot. Oh, I like and, Varys. I was so sad when he died. 
Yeah, that, that was that angry. Was lame. <laughs> so, honestly, I wish the show ended with him and Littlefinger still bickering in the Iron Throne room. I think, I think that, that would have been, been pretty awesome, actually. But I was okay with Littlefinger getting killed because he was kind of a piece. So. Oh, no, I liked him so dirty. I always want to take a shower after his scenes. I just felt so icky. Yeah. <laughs> such a creeper. <laughs> he really is. He did a good job, especially like in Sing Street. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Um, okay, well, there we go. So thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at EdgyArmo, and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show. You can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. There are plenty of streaming options out there, so we love hearing suggestions. Please make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. And if you like us, leave us a five-star review because it really, really helps. Additionally, we are also available on every other major podcast app. Thank you for listening, and please don't be crazy. Thank you so much.